Welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. Today I'm joined by Zias Caravalla and Paul Clark. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are you both today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm back from uh, you know some traveling, so the world looks like it's uh, finally starting to return a little bit to normal. It is, it is. Absolutely. And myself as well was traveling last week and it's uh, getting, getting used to um, packing your bag in the morning and <laughs> sleeping in hotel after hotel after hotel, but getting used to it. It's all, it's all just uh, come second nature very quickly, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, today we're going to be talking uh, about hybrid working and in particular company culture. Obviously, the working world uh, is, is slowly getting back to normal, but... Uh, what will that normal look like exactly? Uh, well, let's 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 talk about that. Um, before we get into that, should we do a brief round of introductions? Um, Zias, do you want to kick us off quickly? Sure. I'm Zias Caravella, uh, principal analyst with ZK Research. I'm, I, I run my own research firm. Uh, as an analyst, I cover a lot of different aspects of communications and networking, uh, primarily the emerging technologies. So I don't have this well-defined coverage area that a lot of analysts have. I look at a lot of the disruptive technologies such as artificial intelligence and cloud and things like that, you know, mobility 5G and how it impacts these communications and networking tools that we use. Fantastic. And uh, Paul? So I'm Paul Clark. I'm Senior Vice President for Poly in EMEA. So I run uh, Poly's um, sales and marketing organization uh, across the whole of Europe, Middle East and Africa. Fantastic. So uh, let's dive into our first question here, um, and that is the definition of hybrid working. Uh, you speak to different people; it means slightly different things. But from a, a company culture point of view, you know, why is it important to you know define what hybrid working is? You know, from from the get go. Um, you know, Paul, do you want to kick us off on that one? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, hybrid working has been around in various forms for, for a number of years, but now it's pretty mainstream. Uh, every, everyone is in, in some shape or form uh, a, a hybrid working now, and it's really um, uh, multiple location working. It's, it's location independent uh, working, and, and the reason that it's so important is, as it relates to culture is historically cultures evolved in organizations because people were co-located, um, so they fed off of each other. Now with um, uh, people working in multiple locations, but but still working uh, together, we've got to set up uh, new methodologies for establishing, you know, expectations in companies, behaviours in companies, and, and we're going to have to get used to blending both physical co-location and virtual co-location, and it's so so important uh, in a hybrid uh, environment as it is in in uh, physical uh, working together because culture sets so much of how a business behaves, both internally but also externally to its customer base. Yeah, maybe ZSC could add some. Some colour on that. You know, you talk to lots of different people in the market around hybrid working, what it means, and their definition. What's what's your take on that from a culture point of view? Yeah, I mean, hybrid work. The definition is just what it sounds like, right? We work in a hybrid way, and just to give you a sense of how big hybrid work is going to be, my research shows that fifty-one uh, percent of workers will come to the office two to three days a week. It means they'll work from home two to three days a week, and another twenty-four percent of workers will work from home at least one day a week. So you're looking at three quarters of the workforce working in some sort of hybrid mode. And uh, if you, David, I don't know if you saw the, the, the keynote panel I did with, uh, you know, your compatriot Rob at UC Summit, uh, one of the things that I had said was the first wave of 
hybrid work would actually, I think, be a disaster. And part of that is because of what we're talking about here, and that is culture and some of the, uh, you know, the ways they can do it. Because I think what's happening right now is a lot of businesses I talk to are looking at coming back to work and looking at hybrid work, but they don't exactly know how to structure it. And I think one of the important things that line of business people, IT pros, you know, really everybody in the company needs to understand, HR leaders, is that hybrid work is fundamentally different than remote work. Remote work was pretty easy. We just send everybody home. Uh, you know, everybody in the office is pretty easy. We just have everybody come in the office. But hybrid work is a blending of the two. And I think from a corporate standpoint, you wind up with different experiences. You you lose that opportunity to create that culture. I think when everyone's in the office, it's pretty easy to uh, stand around the water cooler, share ideas, things like that, and build a culture. And uh, one of the things that I've been talking to companies about is how do you get your managers to manage differently? How do you get people to still you know, facilitate conversations with another? Because when you think about it, we'll have entire generations of workers now that will have started for a company and leave a company without ever having met a coworker. And so I think trying to build that culture in this hybrid mode uh, isn't easy. And again, I think you have to understand that remote work and hybrid work are really different animals. And if you don't approach them differently, uh, you could have a disaster on your hands. Yeah, you, you highlighted some key key challenges there in, in uh, getting that culture right. I mean, uh, Paul, what, what's your take on these on these challenges that still remain? You know, around getting this this culture right in in in, in the hybrid workplace we all seem to find ourselves in. So, so Zeus is so, so right. I mean, um, if, if you're working in the office or you're working at home, it's kind of straightforward. There's a, there's a sense of equality uh, and, and, and by definition, you know, natural inclusion. Uh, when, when, you, when you move to uh, hybrid working, you know, you could be anywhere. Uh, and actually, uh, through a working week, you will be anywhere. You'll, 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 you'll move your locations. And, and so it's how do you develop um, inclusion, how do you facilitate people feeling valued in that sort of variable environment, that you know, geographical dispersion that I talked about. Um, and, and it becomes something that businesses have to be very conscious of. Um, and, and we're going to go that way. We're going to continue to do it. As, as uh, just mentioned, you know, we're going to go through, you know, maybe the first stage of hybrid isn't going to be quite right, but we're, we're going to be committed to this for the long term because businesses get the benefit of, of hybrid working uh, from uh, our research we can see that 72% uh, of companies actually believe that they saw productivity increase through through the pandemic. And that was through a blend of home working, hybrid working, and very little uh, office working. Uh, and so, it's, so it's here to stay. The individuals that work in companies also felt uh, the benefit of, of hybrid working because they had better work-life balances. But there is the danger, and this is a challenge of hybrid working, is making sure you get the benefit, but you minimize the, the downsides. Downsides actually being things like that geographical dispersion makes it much more difficult to build up you know, common culture. Huge, huge potential. Uh, for for uh, people to find themselves overworked, um, you know, how do you set the expectations in an organisation for when you're working and when you're not working? Research told us that um, you know employees, uh, while they valued the work-life balance that came with um, with uh, hybrid working, what they really didn't like was the fact that they felt that they were always on. So it, you know, we we've spoken to companies about that, and what we can see is that you know companies realise uh, that they have a moral obligation to manage. Uh, people's uh, people's workloads, but actually less than half of them, more or less, 
have actually done anything about that yet. So, so there's a challenge in, in hybrid working is how do you set the new expectations and new normals uh, for what work actually looks like, both from a company perspective, but also from ind an individual's perspective? Yeah, I think the key word that Paul used there was inclusion. I think inclusivity is very important in the hybrid world. I, I think if, uh, uh, you know, from a collaboration standpoint, and, you know, if you look at the importance of collaboration today, uh, competitive advantage is created by allowing a company to make the best decision with the right people in as short a time as possible, right? And collaborating when we're all remote is, is pretty easy because we all hop on these types of tools and we all collaborate. And when everyone's in the office, we all have meeting equity as well. The difficulty comes when we don't, when some people are in the office and some people are remote. A lot of people tend to feel like they're not really part of the conversation when they're remote. You know, you think of the traditional video systems that create that bowling alley effect. You can't really be privy to kind of the sidebar conversations and things like that. And so uh, what, what happens is you wind up, some people wind up feeling socially excluded and, or, and, and they don't wind up being actively disengaged, but they do wind up over a long period of time becoming disengaged. And I thought this for a while. In fact, many years ago, I wrote a report on uh, how um, uh, disengaged employees are actually the silent killer of the company. And it's not, it's not that active, actively disengaged person that's going around complaining that the company's terrible and things. It's that person that joins the meetings. They don't really contribute a lot. They're not really part of the discussions. And then they just leave and you don't really know why that person left. And so I think, you know, the, Paul's right. Inclusivity is important. We're in this area where we keep this era that we keep talking about the great resignation. Well, that puts an unprecedented number of workers out there to be hired. And I think businesses have an excellent opportunity to uplevel talent and get the right staff in place. But if we don't create an inclusive culture where everybody feels equal, we're going to churn those employees and we'll actually wind up in a worse position than we are in now. Well, let, let's let's talk about that um, equitable experience then between you know the remote worker and the in office worker. Um, you know, Paul. You know, what can businesses do to really solve this? You know, the the, the disengaged worker, as as he has put it, you know, can be the, the silent killer, if if you like, of of businesses. But how, what can businesses do? What kind of tools and services can they use to promote? I guess firstly inclusivity. And then this uh, equitable experience uh, that we've been talking about for a while now. It's a really great question, and it's a fantastic point. Um, uh, we, we can use technology. Um, th there is a people element to it. it ultimately, you know, um, you know, people deal with people, and and we have to learn to respect that. You know, interactions in collaborative environments may may in fact increasingly require us to be joining the meeting from from different venues. And and while today, you know, I'm a at home uh, tomorrow, I may be uh, in the um, uh, in the meeting room, so so I get the chance to experience both sides, and that's going to be a, a great enablement. But in terms of tools uh, that, that can help, it's really about using you know a best best of breed technology. So um, you know we're all used to uh, opening our laptops and, and 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 joining in a conversation with the with the built in um, uh, with the built in camera and and then maybe the uh, microphones, but we know 
that that laptop experience isn't great. So it's not it's not a long term solution. So investing in good quality uh, technology, good quality headsets, good quality video cameras, um, and and video cameras not just for the individual but also for the rooms. And and when we talk about video cameras for rooms, we're talking about cameras that can you know they can seamlessly frame uh, the participation size uh, to the number of people in the room, not just fill, filling up the whole room. We can talk about speaker tracking uh, technology. Uh, these are the sort of things that are available today. In, in, in poly product, but it's also working with the ecosystem vendors um, and, uh, you know, people use Teams, people use um, uh, Zoom, uh, they may use uh, other vendors, uh, technologies as well, and, and they are developing so that they will be able to accept multiple video feeds from a room and, and the poly technology will offer those feeds up. And that further enables the, um, uh, the people who are remote to feel as drawn in and included in a, in a, a physical uh, meeting environment as they would be as if they were sitting in the room. So there's technology that is evolving that's enabling people, whether they're remote or whether in the room, to have an equal footing in that meeting. And that's so, so important. Think of the days when you might have been the single person on the end of an audio call uh, and there's uh, 10 or so people sitting in a room. You really were uh, the odd person out. But the technology doesn't doesn't have to be that way anymore. Um, and so that the, in fact, many ways, the person who's sitting at home can have a more inclusive experience than potentially if they were sitting in that room with the 10 people. Yeah, so. yeah I think the, you know, the key here is, is that the um, the good enough experience doesn't work in a hybrid work mode. And I talk to people all the time about, well, the person is working from home, you know, they've got a laptop, it's got a built-in camera and speakers, and you don't need anything else, right? And and, uh, and in some cases, that's true. Um, but I've noticed this myself. I travel a lot still, and, you know, I've done a lot of videos with you, Dave, and I actually, I carry an external camera for my laptop because when the lighting's low, um, you know, when when you, you've got issues like that, uh, the, the, the external camera actually makes a big difference. Also, even with microphones and sounds and things like that, you can wind up with a lot of background noise, the collaboration to part tools, so they have a lot of background noise removal. And I think even from a manager's standpoint, most of the collaboration platforms, uh, Paul mentioned Zoom and Microsoft, you know, are two examples that have a lot of data built into them. So managers can understand who participated in the meeting, how often did they talk. You, you can, you, all the data is there to be seen. If you notice that an employee is joining every meeting, but yet they never contribute, you can find out why that is. I, I think you, um, and, and this is part of managing differently. You know, if you think of somebody who runs an inside sales bullpen, they typically would just walk around behind people and just listen for audible cues to calls to be able to coach. And you can't do that anymore. So you have to use the data that's in the system in order to coach people, but you have to give them the right tools in order to do their jobs effectively. And I had talked about how the great op the great resignation creates an opportunity to hire people. Well, people want to work for a company where they know they can be successful. And that starts with the tools that they, that you give them. Because if you, if you don't, you're just setting the employee up to fail and they're not going to stay very long. So these collaboration tools are filled with data. Companies like Poly are building all kinds of great artificial intelligence technology in their products. I've even seen some demos of where, you know, if you're not looking at the camera, the it, you know, the, the AI, you know, this will be coming pretty soon. It'll, it'll refocus your eyes. So the person will think you're looking at them to maintain eye contact. There's great stuff coming. And uh, it's important that we're using the latest and greatest because that's going to allow us, because these products being built today are built for hybrid work. And as I mentioned, 
that's different than remote work. And so if you're not using modernized tools, you're, you're, you know, you're a generation behind. Yeah. One of the, one of the other examples, just thank you very much for that. And one, one of the other examples I think where um, it's easy to forget, but it makes much, such a difference is the audio environment that you're um, participating in the call with. Um, people think about video and, and I gave some examples about framing and speaker tracking, but, but, you know, there's a lot of extraneous noise. Um, uh, even in a meeting room, there's a lot of noise that's created that really is out of shot. But, but if I'm at home, similarly, there's uh, surrounding noise. And, and, you know, things like Polly's uh, acoustic fence, which will block out, and it's a very dynamic yeah. system, will block out the surrounding noise, allow you to essentially audibly dress for the occasion. So essentially, you're putting your best foot forward. Um, and, and it's things like that will really help to improve the, the intimacy and the effectiveness of um, hybrid types of collaboration. You know, what's cool about a, a two, pro, um, features like acoustic fence is you can actually now use video in places where you would never have used it before. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. You can, you know, when you think of that combined with a virtual background, you could be sitting in a noisy, you know, Starbucks or whatever, and people may not know you're there. Or, you know, you could have a lawnmower going behind you, and you might not have scheduled a call at that time, uh, but you can now. And so it actually creates the environment like you're in a, you know, a solo little phone booth or something without anybody knowing. So there's great... Like I said, Dave, there's, there's some great technology that's been developed over the last few years, and it's important that they get in the, in the workers' hands. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, the ultimate question then is, uh, you know, where is this all heading? You know, uh, will we see physical offices disappear? Um, and if, if not, you know, what are those offices of tomorrow? What are they going to look like? Um, Paul, do you want to kick us off on that one? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so we did um, research a number of years ago, looked at how offices are being used. And, and, and actually, there's, there's four C's uh, in terms of white collar workers, um, what they do in a day, concentrate, communicate, collaborate, contemplate. And any, and any day you're doing a blend of those things, different things at different stages of the day. And that kind of defined how offices were, were, were laid out. Um, now, now, there's in, interesting phenomena as we've moved to you know, hybrid working environments. What's happened is the four tasks are still the same. They, they haven't changed, but the blend of them has. M meaning, um, concentrate. Who of us today is going to go into an office to concentrate? Um, contemplate who of us today is going to go into an office to contemplate it's highly unlikely now that people are going to drive or or sit on a train or or or, or cycle whatever the commute is the, the 30 minutes uh, one hour to get to an office to sit at a desk to do what in theory they could have done at home so so what's happening is okay so you so you've got the other things you've got the big one of course is collaborate um and and um you, you, what you're going to see is is offices are going to be redesigned. Uh, we can already see it, forward-thinking companies already in this space, where they're setting up their offices to welcome workers back, but they're not welcoming them back to put to put them into their, their bullpens. They're welcoming them back so that they can collaborate. When we, when we did some research uh, in, uh, towards the end of last year, uh, what we found was that employees miss the office but they miss the office for the banter, for the camaraderie, for going for lunch together with their colleagues, you know, human interactions. But we asked them, would they be returning to the office? They said yes, and they said yes for very different reasons. They said they would go to the office for collaboration, for IT support, 
for getting access to things it's much more difficult to get to um, in, in, their, in their home environment. So, so what, what it told us was actually the office is changing. It's becoming a collaboration space. It doesn't mean we won't spend some time sitting at our desk thinking, we all will, but the majority of the work will change and that's going to drive the new designs of, uh, of office layout. It's also, I think, incidentally, when you, when you look at it, and we can already see it today, um, you know, organizations are thinking about how much real estate they actually need. If you're not having to accommodate all the people coming in and just sitting at desks, actually the requirement for floor space is reducing. So I'm thinking that in the future, we're gonna see smaller uh, office sizes, but they're going to be much more engaging, a much more collaborative environment. And, and you're going to want to go in there because you're going to get the benefit of uh, that collaboration. It's a pretty exciting time uh, for uh, workspace design. Does that, uh, does that marry with what you're saying, Zias, as well? Yeah, I think the, um, the future of work uh, looks like university. And what I mean by that is that when you, you think about your university days, when you had to do thinking work, like as Paul mentioned, where you had to sit and write a paper, you didn't go to campus to do that, right? You did that at home. You went to school to meet with people, to go to class, right? Sometimes if you needed to do some thinking work between classes, you might go to the library or go somewhere quiet and do some work. You might run into somebody randomly and say, hey, let's work on that project together and go find a place to do that. And so I think if you want to look forward at what the future of work looks like, you will continue to do your thinking work at home, as Paul mentioned. And then when you go to the office, you'll fill those days with meetings and collaboration sessions and, and get a lot of that other type of work done. And what that means from what does the office look like? Well, flexibility becomes important because, you know, if, if the three of us were working in the same company and we happen to bump into each other and said, let's knock this project out, we're going to want to go sit somewhere and have a quick ad hoc meeting that might even be in the cafeteria. And so it's possible now, even in a noisy cafeteria, like I said, you can bring video and collaboration to places you couldn't do it before. We might want to be able to just sit down and open up a laptop and have a session with somebody that's remote. So we need that speaker track technology. We need that, you know, those noise blocking technologies to be able to do that. And so flexibility in the workplace becomes important. And I think what happens is we wind up with, with less formal meeting spaces and lots and lots of kind of ad hoc meeting places. And so we wind up in a situation where almost anywhere we can bump into somebody, that has to become a meeting place. And so I think we're going to see a big uplift and modernization of technology that allows us to do that. Because as I mentioned, the future of work likes, you just think back to what you did in your university days, and that'll help you understand what the workforce looks like. I mean, flexibility really becomes important here. So that's what I talk to people, you know, facilities managers and HR leaders about you have to build dynamic, flexible workspaces to meet your dynamic, flexible workforce. Fantastic. So um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. But uh, Zias, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very Thanks. much. Great. I can talk about this for hours. <laughs> I think we all can. <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, thank you for watching, watching me, David Dungate, on UC Today. If you liked today's conversation, please give us a like and a share on social media. That's it from me. See you next time.